Thank you for being a patron of Bluebells Forever Podcast. I am so excited. I did that pretty singy sing song to have Savannah Hanel. And this is part three officially because we had you and your, we'd had you and your mom together and and then I had just you and we talked like the first one's about mother, daughter, you know, that your mother was a principal at the Lido. Your auntie was a principal at the Moulin Rouge and so many people in your family that performed at both of those places. And like, wasn't your dad an ice skater? Yes, my, my dad and my auntie were at the Lido as well. And my uncle Mehdi was also at the Lido. And my other uncle was at the Mulan. So it was all Lido Mulan. But they, they performed in other venues as well around the world. But it was, yeah, such an iconic place. And then for me to be there it was quite amazing to close that chapter. And I loved that story. And then we did a, a follow-up about She Creatives. And you talked about what you're doing during COVID and making your own interview it wasn't a yes. podcast it was, it was a, video it was, series. A, it was an interview yeah platform that I wanted artists to share their story during COVID and how they're going and what they're doing to keep themselves occupied because we couldn't work and that was I wanted to create a little community and for artists to talk about that so I haven't done anything with it since then but I'd like to in the near future as well get back on that and um, yeah, but a lot has happened since the closing and until now. So thank you for and that's why wanting me to be on. And yeah, like we haven't forgotten you. And we also, a lot of people that listen want to know like how you're doing. And yeah, I loved in your story, like you shared about your, all those people in your family had great careers, but you found your way. Like you, ha- you, you appreciated and gave credit to those that you followed, but then you found your own way. Cause I got, after I interviewed you, then I got to see you on stage, which is kind of nice to do it that way, to hear your story and then see you on stage. Cause you are, Savannah, you are perfection on stage. I'm just going to gush a little bit because after Aww. hearing your story and getting to be at the Lido twice um, in one year, it's a little excessive, but I had to be there for the closing. You're, you're just incredible. And I followed your journey and we grieved, you know, like when we found out that it was possible that it was going to sell and then it was, and I was there the week before of just, yeah, I think a lot of us are invested in, in this generation's story of, you know, we got to have those long careers and do lay when we wanted to, but I feel like there's a lot of respect for you guys that you went out with such beauty and dignity and so much class. So first I want to acknowledge that. And then, yeah, I would love to hear what it was like at the end there because you're from Australia you're not probably going to stay in Paris and I also got the wonderful thing of meeting Charles when I was there in April that we had lunch together yeah we went out to lunch and it was with Christopher and then I brought Hannah with me and so my good choice that's right yeah so how was that last like once you know you're closing and your life is going to change and you've met someone special like not to put all that in two sentences, because that's a lot, <laughs> but there's a lot of shift, you know, instead of thinking maybe you're just going to do this for how many more years, maybe you thought you were to have a different, different story ahead of you. I think for me, uh, when the Lido, we found out two weeks before it closed that it was closing. So at that time, I was actually happy because we had been, you know, kept on a string for so long, not knowing what was happening. So that was quite hard for us to go into work, especially for me, 
going in and not knowing is this the last show maybe it is maybe it's not and trying to keep that level of professionalism happiness to go on stage you know to try and make the audience happy every night but we were you know unsure of the situation itself so that was quite difficult um but yeah at that time I didn't really know what the next step was for me and um I I wanted to maybe have a break because it was a lot and a lot of pressure and a lot of things happening at the same time and yeah so um I didn't have any other job opportunities around that time because the Lido closed um and also around that time I happened to be pregnant as well so Charles and I we decided to be parents and go down that that road so I was happy to have a break and try something new in life and go on that new pathway with him how far along were you when the show closed you weren't showing obviously because I saw you (laughs) well for the cast members they all knew something was up um but maybe for the audience no but I was three months pregnant when the show finished oh really how are you feeling were you that's a lot I mean I think that pregnancy can zap your energy and also like you said you're holding this are we closing or are we not? There's grief. There's all the stuff that's exhausting. I can imagine that a break probably felt like a gift, but that's a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot. Um, but I had a little bit of sickness around that time, but I just, you know, I um, just went on with the show. And if I wasn't feeling so well, I'd just take one Panadol or something to get me through. Um, but then... After the show finished, I had 16 days of sickness all day, every day for 16 oh, really? days. And that's all I had throughout my entire pregnancy, really. So I was quite lucky with that. But, yeah, after the show finished, my whole body just relaxed because I didn't have to perform and make it work and keep working, you know. So yeah. it was a, a real, real relaxed, but also I was very sick. And then being in Paris and not having a job or not having anything at that time it caused me to go into darker places and I was just happy to come back home for a holiday and get out of there and just have some fresh air be by the beach and have family around and home is where Australia the Gold Coast yeah wow because that um could did you have any thought of staying because isn't is Charles from France yes he's French did you have any idea of maybe staying there or did it just seem like this was a better option to come back to Australia? The plan was to give birth in Paris. We had our doctors there. We knew where, we were, where I was supposed to give birth and everything like that. However, when I was in Australia, I just felt more comfortable and especially with the language, having family around, um, being in a familiar environment, being able to... Um, you know, know where I'm supposed to go, know where the hospital is, where, how to get there quick, quick and conveniently. So it was, it felt better for me. And so I basically said to Charles, what do you think if we have George here? And he packed up our whole life in Paris. We were living together in an apartment at that time, but he packed up everything. He moved out, um, all our furniture, and he came to join me and he's been here ever since. That says a lot. Wow. 
Yeah. Cause what you were saying, cause I just remember I want to know where the hospital is. Like when you're pregnant, you don't want to not be able to communicate or feel well taken care of like that. That <laughs> well, resonated a because... lot. Like to be in another country, even if you speak a little French sounds a little scary to me when it's time yeah. to give birth. Yeah. And it's funny cause we didn't have a car. So it's either Metro, it's either calling an oh. Uber, maybe, maybe at three in the morning when you need to go to the hospital waiting for that or walking, you know? So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's basically three options. Um, so yeah, it was just easy to get in the car and just go. It's, the hospital was 15 minutes away from where we were. So um, it was a lot closer than the hospital we were going to go to in Paris. So I saw pictures or maybe I saw a video of a proposal on the stage. Can you share what happened? How close was that to the end of the show? Oh, I don't know that answer, but it was coming to the end. So coming maybe, to the end? Oh, no, it was one month before the Lido closed, I believe. Yes, June. He proposed to me in June and the show closed in July. That's right. Did, were so, you surprised? Um, was I surprised? Yes, I was. However, it, it was... Um, very planned on his front and you can tell always when when something's going to happen and when something's up so I yeah. was I knew it knew it was going to happen but at the same time it's still surprising when it does happen but um hmm. Charles he organized the proposal with Jeremy I believe and he asked Jane as well um well in advance and um they put me on principle that night because Charles and his whole family came in to watch the show oh my gosh <laughs> yes. Yeah, so after I finished the show, we were all there, and then Charles came behind the curtain and basically got down on one knee and asked to asked me to marry him, and that was it. And everyone was just like, "Oh my god!" Wow. <laughs> so incredibly, you know, surprised and couldn't believe that that was happening. So yeah, it was a beautiful evening. That makes for great photos that are different than most people's proposal pictures. <laughs> Yes, yeah, and he, he knew that the Lido uh, was my home away from home, so he wanted to do it somewhere very special that would be um, memorable. Yeah. Did you perform on the very last night? Because I know some people were swung out or some people closed a few days before the actual closing. Where were you in that situation? On the last night of the show, I was were you Were you there for the last night? Yes, so we were all doing our normal normal spots in the show and um yeah the energy was just incredible on the last night so like you know like you're in a football stadium and everybody just goes off so it was it was quite special and it was a good way to end a beautiful legacy a beautiful era with everybody and everyone was just wanting to give their best performance I saw some video and I also got to watch the rehearsal and then of what you I didn't get to see but that extra part that was added that you guys were working on with the silver capes, that whole intro. So even though I didn't see it in the show, I got to see the rehearsal. But watching the video, it felt like it was very celeb, cel, God, celeb, I can't do words, celebrity. That's, that's not the word. <laughs> Celebratory, that's the word I'm trying to say. Words are dumb. Um, but it was just, to, it felt like there was so much appreciation for you or if it had closed with like just regular audience members. But I think there was a lot of post past bluebells there cheering you on. So it felt like even though it was sad, there was so much, appreciation and gratitude it made me feel really happy that you guys were honored well because whatever the new owners whatever happened there who knows but to have the people that understood who who you were and who the 
Melito was representing. I loved seeing like how boisterous that audience was and yes, the, the and reception that you got. And the, instead of being, you know, technical of each show, I want to achieve this certain thing. We, we didn't really uh, care about that at the last show. We just wanted to enjoy performing and being with each other one last time. So that was the energy that we all had, I think, um, at the last show. Wow. Yeah. I'm just thinking there's always like a end of, end of a show letdown, but then also you're pregnant and how long did you stay in Paris before you packed everything up? Because that would seem like it would take a few days to recover just from that I, last I show. Stayed, I stayed roughly a month and then I went back home. Yeah. So how was so, your pregnancy and delivery? Because this is a whole de- different, like your life has shifted so much. It has. You're not just going to pop back changed. on stage. Well, some people do. It's amazing. Yeah. Stephanie, she came, um, Lauren Doe who was principal at the Lido for um, a beautiful period. Um, she was pregnant and went back performing basically straight away. So for me, I saw her recently. That was just incredible that she did that. I don't know how she did that. But for me, um, yeah, I, uh, after I had George, I started studying at university full-time two weeks after he oh, was wow. born. So oh my that gosh. was my, yeah, that was my, um, very extreme period in my life where I had to, okay, going to study. I have a two week old and um, all that, but I managed, I pulled through and uh, Charles was there to support me. And also I had family, but it was, yeah, mainly, mainly Charles and I who were pushing through. Yeah. And not probably not much sleep. And what are you, Um, what were you studying? I'm, I'm studying at the moment, interior architecture. Really? So it was another interest and passion of mine since I was little as well to pursue. And um, evidently it's going to give me a longer career than dancing would because if I went and continued with dancing, I would have maybe had a baby after I stopped performing and then I would have had to study into something else after that. And, you know, mm. it's better to, to do that now get that done and so I have something to fall back on when I decide to go back to performing yeah that's so smart wow so do is this part of is this because I know the people they're staying in France their education is paid for for a while like that trans I don't know what they call it it's like you're you're transitioning out of one career into another and so you're getting your your education paid for is that are you part of that or if you leave the country you don't get it um, well, I'm I'm in uh, communication with them, but basically, yes. Uh, if because they, you know, let you go, they need to pay for um, if you want to transition to another career, which is what I'm doing. So, yes, that's in the process at the moment. Oh, that's so good. Okay, it's very different in America. It's like, bye. If you're an artist, you're just like on your own, trying to start a new life over, and then having yeah, a baby. The, fr- the French system is amazing for artists like that. That's I think yeah, it's rare. Yeah, and they help you through to the next period. But, um, yeah, it's, it's completely different. It's it, I watched the Barbie movie recently and it was quite mm-hmm. funny because us all in the glitz and glamour and the costumes and the, the jewels and the lights and everything, you're one person and you're performing. Um, and now I'm like in the real world and so I wear Birkenstock and I have to do <laughs> Australian tax and understand how life works outside of the theatre, which has been a big challenge for me. And also being a new mom and taking on a whole new role 
where, um, you know, our baby is so dependent on us at the moment, you know, so it's basically living for him and trying to keep him afloat as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rather than myself. But, um, yeah, we're doing really well. We're here in Brisbane now. We've been in this apartment for a week. And, um, yeah, we're doing really well in another way. Yeah. Moment. Has that surprised you? Like, because if I know that people are living that life, I'm going to dance, be a professional dancer forever. And that seems like motherhood and all that is like, oh, that's a ways down the road. Could you could you see yourself there a few years ago? Or is this taking a turn that you now see yourself differently? I don't know. If- other people believe in this but I see a clairvoyant from time to time I have this beautiful lady um, who lives close by actually and she actually predicted all this would happen before it actually happened so I was (laughs) I was kind of in the know already I was just waiting to see how it would unfold but basically everything she said came true so I was (laughs) (laughs) she predicted Charles she predicted that I would be studying she predicted that we'd be in Australia and she predicted that um, we'd have a baby. Oh, wow. Yes. (laughs) So that's my story there, but uh, that's what happened. Yeah. How are you, how are you coping with all the changes and it changes your sleep? It changes your, what you, how much freedom you have or what do I even want? It's a very good question. Um, I was speaking to, a family member recently and she said pregnancy and going through birth and having a baby is is the biggest secret in the world because mothers go oh yeah it was fine and you know I gave birth and it was just easy and you know you go through and all this kind of stuff and they (laughs) want to remember the, the good bits but for me it was the biggest challenge of my entire life to go through that process um yeah and when you come out on the other side and you're still alive and you're still, you know, breathing and, you know, <laughs> you have yeah. a little baby that's healthy and happy and everything like that, you know, um, you're very grateful. Um, but it has been a massive, massive uh, challenge. I've been through many, many hard times and especially after you you give birth, your hormones are everywhere. So you yeah. have to deal with your emotional roller coaster every day. So um, I think now that Georgia's six months, it's taken me that long to get better and feel okay again. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, it's, it's funny because when you're with people you know all the time and you have your little group and your friends and then you move to a completely new place now. Uh, we're in mm-hmm. Brisbane and we have to start fresh. So basically new beginnings and a new chapter now that we have to start writing. Yeah, I like that you're really honest too, because you did like when the Lido closed, like a lot of people went through depression and, and there's there's that. And then you add the chemical, yeah. the hormone. Those are two hard whammies at once to deal with because there's yeah. an end of something and you're responsible. And as much beauty as there is in motherhood, no one prepares you what you're like when you're sleep deprived or like, this isn't even my body anymore. Like I feel like I'm a milk bag or I mean, it's, it's beautiful, <laughs> but it is there, I remember this is a way too much information. I remember nursing and trying to do the breast pump with one. My husband's trying to help me. I'm just shooting milk all over him. And I go, did you ever imagine it would be this glamorous? <laughs> when we were, did you ever think this is going to be what love is, is when you're like, oh my goodness. where is my body? Where are my, all my parts again? 
because as a dancer, you're, you know, it's, it's a very different relationship with your body. Absolutely. And during pregnancy, you don't really know what your body's doing through the entire thing. And then trying to feed your baby after you've had your baby. And, um, you know, that's a whole other process that your body goes through. So you just got to go with the flow and, you know, feel what you're feeling and just, just get through day by day, I suppose. That's what I've been doing. And um, although it's been quite tough, quite tough for me personally, I'm not going to lie, um, there's always a, a better day ahead. Yeah. That's what I think when I talk to mothers, they're a lot more honest than I remember ever hearing. Cause like, well, why am I having a hard time? Everybody else seems to be like, you know, you got your perfect dress and you're in your, have your stroller and nobody's saying, Oh my God, I didn't get any sleep. And I have poop on the back of my shirt. And you know, I think <laughs> it, and I think social media and um, has played a big role as well because it's all, you know, prim and perfect. And, you know, they put up an image, um, but it's, basically all bullshit right <laughs> absolutely no don't that's absolutely true but, yeah, you know if you can if you can get dressed if you can go out if your baby's healthy if you're healthy I mean that's just the main thing and um yeah also finding mum groups has been really helpful around to meet other mothers with babies similar age and just having you know exercise time with everybody or going to the pool or you know you meet different people through that and that's very helpful as well yeah yeah because you had a different camaraderie backstage and now it's a you know finding and I know they're like okay who were I know there's a few babies that happened after COVID I know Charlotte had hers I interviewed her right before when she's pregnant yeah we and had Annalise. a baby around the same time I think oh did you really hilarious. yeah oh my gosh yeah how, how old is Annalisa's because I did think when I reached out to her about the book, then she told me she was pregnant, but I think it was pretty new. Yes. Yeah, um, I think she just had a baby a few months ago, maybe okay. three months ago or four months ago. I don't know exactly, but yes, yeah, she was after Charlotte and I. Because I know I interviewed um, Victoria Harrington during COVID. And so people were like, well, we're off. Let's have babies. So that felt like there was a baby and Eve might have had hers there. But then also with the show closing, like, well, now might be the time. Because some people are like just one more show, one more show, one more something else, and then yes, do I still no, want was, to do it? It was, it was what I needed to to stop for a while just to reset. Um, and I actually, when I was just about to give birth, I did get job offers. Um, so I was like, oh, sorry, I can't take them right now, but thanks, keep me in mind, you know, for the future. And and then you know, I got responses back saying, oh. Um, thank you for letting us know when you're ready. Just let, you know. Oh my gosh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Send an email and, but you know, I just, uh, I want to get fit again. That's, that's another goal of mine right now is to go back slowly into ballet, mm -hmm. into exercise, into Pilates and um, get stronger. And then, you know, if I need to audition again, I'm ready. But yeah. the, in Britain, there's a lot more going on than the Gold Coast in terms of performing arts and auditions and all this type of thing. So really? I'm right in the heart of it now. So I just got to find what's happening around and, and go and just try and, you know, get that get that phase back. Well, and I love that during COVID you were performing in Australia. So you're fresh in people's memory. They see you as a principal. You don't have to prove yourself like maybe if you had just been starting out. And if you take your time, I mean, it's not going to probably cost you too much to, to wait till you're ready. Then if some people are like, ah, oh, they're going to forget me if I don't jump. I love 
that there's some ease in that, that you don't have to pressure yourself to get back out there before you're ready. I mean, for me, it's terrible, but I am a perfectionist and that is bad in one way and good in other ways. But yeah, I think I give myself all of the pressure and, and nobody else really needs to give me anything because I really set <laughs> you got the it. quite high for myself. So, <laughs> But um, yeah, of course, the leader has been amazing in giving um, us all a more professional performance career and experience. So going into another job, you kind of know already what it's like and that has yeah. definitely helped for for the future. This, I mean, like we, we're not going to future trip because you don't know what your life is going to be. You're just like took on all this huge change all at once. But staying in Australia performing or Paris, does that matter to you as far as what it would be more fun or joyful or prestigious if you were one place or the other? I think Australia is great if you want to do musicals, but from a cabaret um, showgirl perspective, Europe is the better place to go. And, uh, yeah, for for me there are still a few other places I'd love to perform in, in Europe. Yeah. So, yes, it's, it is a plan to go back at some stage. We, we don't um, really know at the moment we don't have a plane ticket back there. Mm-hmm. One <laughs> but, step um, at a time. Yeah, one step at a time. For the moment, I wanted to get a degree as well underneath my belt. So that's the focus right now. And when George is a little older um, and is more, what do they say? Mobile. Autonomous? Mobile. <laughs> yeah, mobile when they're going to take off and they're not, yes. you're not picking them up. Yeah, it's just going to be easier to travel and, and things yeah. like that. But, yeah. Was I... I've heard of way more shows because of doing the interview. Like all I knew was Lido and Moulin Rouge. I didn't know about Nouvelle. I didn't know about some of these other, I forgot the Cirque. Uh, I'm going to say Cirque de Bar. That's wrong. But I didn't know there's all these other shows. Yeah. yeah. And then like there's Germany so has some big shows and I didn't know what was out there. So it makes me feel a little hopeful for the younger generation. There's still options instead of like, nope, Lido's done. That's it. That's right. There are still options. Um, but I, I, find as well that everything's moving towards you know media and the screen so um i i appreciate live performance still very much and i just hope it can you know withstand the future of the way the world's going yeah well that was vegas i told you i went to see sharn in reno but i was going to see the show in vegas and that closed and they're modernizing so much that it just it feels like you could just be at a concert and get the same experience than watching like I mean I loved the Lido that there was the beautiful projections but it was still the stair the staircase was real the dancers were real but I wonder if you know people start to get hungry for that that we do need that and we want glamour again because I think I like how you said that too in the last interview like with COVID what was getting us through it was the arts and what gets pushed to the side the arts but maybe people Maybe we'll, maybe people realize we need a little glamour. We need beauty. We need a little bit of an escape. We need something that's got some integrity to it. And I just think of your generation, like maybe it's coming from you guys, not to put any pressure on you, but like how <laughs> there is a new generation that has this creativity and they are also t- plugged into technology. But, you know, I think that we're all kind of awaiting to see what could be next. If it's done well, it could be celebrated. I think technology could assist us into 
theatre that, you know, I don't know, if we use technology in the right way, it could be really beautiful. But if we overuse technology, it's going to not be good for live performance. Yeah, it's going to be more of a movie rather than a show. Yeah. This I wonder for dancers, how hard you train, how much you're in class. But if you think like, what's the point? You know, I'm in Seattle. Everybody wants to go to LA. They all want to be like a bunch of our dancers. Like I have a dancer that is the choreographer for Macklemore that's at my studio. Like there's, they want to go on tour. They want to, they don't see what cabaret has to offer. And that's why the podcast, like I want you guys to learn there's other options besides dancing behind Beyonce. Like there's, there's, there's other venues, but it's, um, I don't know the next generation. I can't remember exactly who told me this. Um, I think I was talking with my auntie about it one day and she said, it's great to perform behind these worldwide artists, um, Beyonce, all these beautiful singers and performers. Um, But for her and for other people, we want to be what people come to see. Absolutely. Um, we don't want to yeah. be behind. We want to be in the foreground and we want to, yeah. Um, how do you say? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Perform for the audience to see us and not be yeah. in the background. You're not the background. You are the, yeah. you are the, the star. Yeah. Yeah. I think as we get so used to like, just put me in the back. Like, no, no, we work hard. <laughs> we, we're worth being up front. Well, I know yeah. you've got some things to go to. Um, and I'm just really glad you took the time because I have had people one, you know, ask like what's happening with this generation. I don't know if you felt the love coming from a lot of these generations, especially after the reunion. I think that was the bond was really strong. Like we yeah, saw the show, so we saw strong. how talented you guys are and then they've watched the journey. So um, I think there, there is a lot of like, how are they doing? And, and nobody's expecting you to be out there performing and doing everything like you did. Like it's the transition's hard. And a lot of the interviews, people, my generation and a few below, we talk about like, when do you know when you're done? Like I stopped before I was ready. Other people stop from an injury. There's all the reasons, but like we have to acknowledge like, you know, this is hard. It's hard to end it. And if you stop and pick it back up, you know, there's, you can make the choice, but I just like acknowledging that things change and it's, there's nothing that seems for sure these days, especially in the arts and to just acknowledge that. So we want to know like, are you okay? How are you doing? And I think just to keep on um, all the ans- all the questions that we ask ourselves, we will get the answers to eventually. We're just going to keep on. Yeah, absolutely. Ask your clairvoyant what's in store for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm when when you come now. to Australia, you can definitely see her. Yeah. Well, I was telling you before we recorded, somebody's listening, that I'm going to go on uh, celebrity cruises as a lecturer and I'm picking my itineraries and I asked for Australia, New Zealand. I go, there's so many bluebells. So if I could meet up with people or say, do you want to come on? It's Fanna, bring, bring George, come on for two nights and tell your story and show him what a showgirl is, then pop off somewhere else and go visit your mom. Um, He's such yeah, a that's... little lady. He's a ladies man already. George. Is he really? He, he loves the uh, ladies. He loves to communicate. He's um quite a special little human. He's adorable. I mean, most people say that, but you know, there's such a thing as ugly babies, which I learned to never say someone's baby's cute. <laughs> so it's like, Okay. Woo. Savannah made a beautiful one. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank yeah. you very much. Yes. No. We're happy with what we made. <laughs> yeah. Good. Cause like, Oh, did we do this? Um, yeah. I'm so happy for you. And I'm also happy you. that you're honest of the transition and the, the struggle and the beauty. Cause motherhood is like, it's a, it's a big stinking deal. It is. It is. And um, it's, it's, 
it's very important to us, I, I think, when people check in and just see how we're doing and things because everyone's like, oh, baby, baby, baby. And yes, of course, but, you know. How are just, you doing? Yeah, it's kind of nice to know. Yeah, how as well, you, you know, it's a, it's the two, I suppose. We're in a package at the moment, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's and nice. You, so you, you. Yeah, and you find other parents and you, you kind of helps to not feel like you're going crazy when you feel that way. And then yeah. they laugh they and say, then they, they do say, things. They say, it takes a village to raise a child and we're, you know, doing it basically by ourselves or, um, or with our partners and it's not the same experience. Like I was walking just here in Brisbane in South Bank and um, there was a young mom like me breastfeeding her baby alone, you know, just sitting there. And I know I, I wanted to go up and say, hi, you know, how are you doing? And start a conversation, but she was um, in a breastfeeding moment, so I didn't want to yeah. disturb. But, you know, I, I think people are, are more alone than what they seem. So, yeah, um, yeah it's just important is, to communicate. Yeah. yeah, And it's tricky, too, because if you want to reach out, that means you have to exert energy. And when you hardly have any energy, the thought of, like, getting together with someone like that sounds hard. It's what yes. I need. But to actually, like, plan and go and not sleep or rest when you need that desperately so. not to care so much it doesn't matter really what you look like or how, you know just if yeah. you get out I think it's good for your brain as well and on the top of our building we have a pool which is amazing so I go and I, I love to yeah it just re- resets you oh good because you're such a physical person anything I think yes. that you need to do physical and when you're a new mom you're just sitting down all the time breastfeeding and you know stretching where you can but um yeah, it's it's better naps. We can go on walks, and you know, he doesn't need me like all the time now. You know, we can do things. So yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Mm. It, get, it gets better. Well, I think it's good, like for other people, you know, that people whenever they come back, your body does come back, and other moms have done it. And and if you choose not to do that, that's wonderful too. But I think it's nice to see, like, wait, okay, this is doable, even though it probably doesn't feel like it now. If I choose yeah. to dance, it'll come and back. To have a routine, like to have consistency. You don't need to go hard straight away. You just go back slowly. But if you're consistent, you work hard, and you know it's muscle memory as well, I suppose. So you, you know, you get there. You get and there. That's what I hope to do. Yeah. Yeah. This was so. I can't say I have favorites. I think because I've interviewed you a few times, I just I was so excited to get you on screen because I really do. I respect you so much. I just think besides being a beautiful performer, like when you shared your heart about how you wanted to put a platform for artists to be heard, there's just something, yeah, really special about you. And it sounds weird, like I'm a, a big fan which I am, but there is something when you get to hear the heart of a performer more than like, here's my resume. There's just something like, yeah, that you're, you're unique and you're beautiful and you're wonderful. And I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. And it was lovely, lovely to talk to you. And I'm, I'm excited for your book to come out. Yes. And who's on the cover, Savannah? <laughs> well, that was a surprise to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, oh, with, I didn't want to tell beautiful. you in case it got changed, but I'm like, that photo is so beautiful. And so oh. there you are. We'll just say you're a cover girl. Oh, wow. That's the first time I think cover girl. <laughs> yeah, cover girl. Put it on your resume, dear. All right, wow. you take care of yourself and uh, just you give George care. a little, Thank just you. a little, a little kiss for me, and he'll say he won't know. But maybe when I meet him one day, I'll I'll tell him that was from me. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.